This episode is recorded on October 11th, and some information may have changed by the time of airing. Warning, content may not be suitable for young audiences. A horrifying attack occurred on October 7th, 2023 in Israel when Hamas terrorists breached the security lines. There are reports of more than a thousand dead, and we learn more about how evil these attacks were each day. This attack raises several questions for Christians about how the U.S. should respond, whether Christians should support Israel, and what, if any, are the theological implications of this war. Heads of state have expressed support for Israel. You know, there are moments in this life, I mean this literally, when the pure, unadulterated evil is unleashed on this world. The people of Israel lived through one such moment this weekend. And pro-Palestine rallies have taken place in the U.S., England, Canada, and others. This is truly a global event that demands our attention, and we intend to address it on today's show. Welcome to the show that loves doubters. We are going to dive right in. Bobby, for those who might not have heard, what happened in Israel on Saturday, October 7th, 2023? Yeah, this has been heartbreaking, Tim, no doubt. At 6.30 in the morning on Saturday, what ended up taking place is Hamas, which is basically a terrorist group in the Gaza Strip. They came basically 50 years to date from the Yom Kippur War and they came in and started killing the elderly, uh, children. Now we're finding out just more despicable acts of beheadings of even infants, um, taking people hostage. Uh, the numbers are climbing. The last I saw, uh, we were north of 1,200 dead with well over 100 prisoners at one time. You know, that number was quite a bit higher. Um, there's deaths happening by the, of the civilians, even on the Palestinian side, um, where our heart goes out. Uh, but the Palestinian group, this fringe group known as Hamas, is brutal. And this is now the most shocking kind of um, situation uh, that we've seen in Israel in literally the last 50 years. And I would say... When you think about the Yom Kippur War, uh, where you have Egypt and Syria, you know, coming in and attacking Israel, uh, and Israel is able to hold their ground, at least that was a, kind of a military um, battle, not taking out civilians unnecessarily. So, so you could say, on one hand, that what's already happened is worse than what took place the Yom Kippur, and on a um, you know, not in the sense of magnitude, but in the sense of attitude, it's even worse than what took place in World War II with the Holocaust, because not in the sense of magnitude by the loss, obviously, but the attitude of, uh, of the Hamas terrorists dancing on the streets, publicly and shamelessly showing these videos, you can just see that it just reeks of pure, sheer evil, as our president said. Yeah, and I, I've been trying to follow as best I can. Uh, some of the numbers are like 1,500 or so, maybe even more. Uh, you know, Hamas terrorists have crossed the border at some weak points in security. Uh, I, I listened to a podcast about war crimes as I was specifically outlining some of this. There are very, uh, you know, somewhat clear 
you know, kind of war crimes that they're just compl- or, or laws of war, international laws of war that they're just completely ignoring right now. That, yeah. Things like taking out um, the music festival, taking out people attendees of the music festival, and as you said, taking hostages, and and it's just it's just horrifying. I mean, it's hard emotionally to even just wrap my head around what is going on there right now. Yeah, me too, Tim. Yeah, well, and I think as Christians, we want to try to understand how we should think about these events that we're describing that were taken by Hamas. And I think to do that, we, we need some context first. So, Bobby, in, in 1948, Israel was officially recognized as a nation. Now, let, let's rewind the clock. How did that come about? And what, if any, bearing does that have on our current conflict? Yeah, this was a, you know, a big event, especially for those that would have more of a pre-mill um, kind of an eschatology, obviously, they would look at this and see, okay, here's Bible prophecy being fulfilled in 1948, which is kind of setting the stage for what's to come um, in the future. Um, but regardless of uh, whether one, you know, is a pre-mill or not, or even a Christian, uh, the fact that um, the Jewish people had been dispersed um, for so long and to be brought back to the land, uh, it was a touching moment for a lot of people, in particular the Jews. It was also a trying moment for others, uh, as you know, we'll discuss as it relates to Palestine. Uh, now, in 1947, the United Nations, they adopted what is known as Resolution 181. And this was basically a, a partition plan, which sought to kind of split up the British mandate of Palestine into kind of Jewish and Arab states. And so in 1948, on May 14th, uh, the state of Israel was created, which would then spark the first Arab-Israeli war. And this war ended, uh, you know, in 1949, uh, Israel came out on top as the victors. But as a result, there were 750,000 Palestinians displaced. And what this ended up creating was three-part territory as the land was divided up. And you had the state of Israel, uh, the Gaza Strip, and the West Bank, um, you know, which is uh, of the Jordan River uh, part. And so basically right near the Jordan River uh, is where the West Bank is. And the Gaza Strip would be kind of down in that southwest region uh, right above Egypt. And so this is... Uh, where we are uh, in 1948 with them becoming, a, you know, their own nation and then mm-hmm. 1949 with the victory. And then now you can see because of some of this displacement of the Palestinians feeling like land was taken away from them, they want to get back that land in particular near the Jordan River. Um, you know, uh, they want to they want to get territory that they believe is theirs. And so this has been a land battle going on ever since. Well, we've mentioned uh, the the word Hamas several times. I, I mentioned in the intro, you talked about it. Who or what is Hamas? Yeah, so Hamas is basically an um, an offshoot of the Muslim uh, Brotherhood, and this is a terrorist group. And so they exist in their uh, their base is in the Gaza Strip. And this is just a tiny little area. Uh, Having gone to Israel several times myself, I've seen the security wall. I've been at that wall. And um, and I've seen the security and 
had to go through the airports and you can just see how powerful the security base is there. And yet Hamas has figured out a way to crack that nut with what they did. But essentially uh, you have uh, a group of terrorists who believe um, that they need to go and conquer and they're brainwashed. I mean, they're brainwashing their children with, um, you can see the cartoons uh, that the kids are learning and um, they're fed lies at a young age about the Jewish people. Uh, they're told things like, oh, the Jews want to kill them. The Jews want to injure them. Um, and so this is the kind of group that will place their headquarters, uh, you know, in the basement of a hospital. It's the kind of group that, uh, you know, celebrates evil and they think that they're pleasing Allah in doing this. And when they take hostages, what they want to do is defile the kids and the women by raping them. And it's as if they have no conscience. They've utterly been, you know, indoctrinated in this belief system. And you can't negotiate with this kind of evil. Unfortunately, uh, they are being driven by a worldview of militant and terroristic Islam. And fortunately, uh, there are many Muslims that, you know, would not stand for this at all. So in the same way that we as Christians wouldn't want to be, you know, lumped into some of what we see, you know, in our own professed circles, we would never want to lump all Muslims in the category of, of this, not even close. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned before, I mean, just from an ideo ideological or from a worldview, worldview perspective, this is almost more evil than the Nazis, as surprising as that may be. But, but before we get to some theological questions, and I think those questions are, are really important, in your view, what role do you think the U.S. should play in this sort of conflict? Well, as of this morning, I know that uh, President Biden has uh, been on the phone four times um, with Netanyahu. Uh, so that's good. I think that keeping that communication line open, um, I do think that it's, his voice has, it's been good to outright condemn uh, what Hamas has done, calling what is, is, uh, calling it evil. I think that it, that's very appropriate. I think it's baffling to me to see that there's people that can't come out and outright condemn uh, the evil that is taking place. I don't care um, if you think that Palestine um, should have more land or land was taken away from them. That, that's, that's a conversation you can have. But when people get to a place where you're decapitating infants, uh, and, and if we can't call that evil, that is really problematic. And so I think he needs to really shut that kind of communication down uh, in, the, in the states and not tolerate that over here. I think uh, moving naval ships closer to Israel was a good move. It, it shows our support. Um, I, I, I really feel like we can't underestimate uh, what is going on even in our own country with um, the borders being open. I mean, you know, stats are in. I mean, there are people that are coming in um, through the borders and that have been here for a long time. And we have to not be naive about this and realize that uh, just as Hamas uh, had a well thought out planned strategy uh, that threw Israel off guard, uh, my fear is, is while we're sitting around obsessing on gender identity and gender roles. I mean, that's the kind of conversation you can have during 
prosperous times, but it's also the kind of conversation that if you're not careful, uh, you can get really blinded really quick. And I don't think we should be naive to think that this can't hit our home front. And so I think that he also needs to really um, confront uh, those who are supporting this in places like New York City, where it's been seen uh, just you have, you know, demonstrations of celebration of this kind of evil. So what this goes to show is that we are really divided as a country. But I suspect if we can't figure out how to get unified, uh, it is going to get a lot uglier than we could possibly imagine with all the things that are happening in our culture right now, Tim. Yeah, when we can't call evil, uh, like like what's going on, evil, that does start to raise some questions. Uh, speaking of questions, we, we got a few questions via text message and via email. Uh, some of our listeners know that at the end of service uh, at, at Image, we take questions. We stand up, we get them right from uh, the text messages people send in. And so some of the questions that we're going to answer came in either through email or through some of those text messages. So one of the questions that came in was, uh, what do you think Christian people should... or, or do you think Christians should support the modern state of Israel? Many people will use Genesis 12, 3 that says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, as justification for their support of Israel. However, it is my understanding that modern Israel is actually against the spread of Christianity. So it seems counterintuitive to support a nation whose leadership has these views. What would you respond to that? That's an understandable question. This gets into uh, people's standpoint a little bit of eschatology. Um, but I would say that, you know, supporting the people of Israel in a time like this, I don't even think we need the Bible. I mean, it's just obvious that you have a terrorist group that is trying to uh, take out Israel. And we know that Iran, that has been their wish for a long time. Uh, wanting to remove basically Israel from planet Earth, as Ahmadinejad, uh, you know, once stated. So that is the desire to remove them. And so I think that we should understand that when they're saying death to Israel and death to America, uh, that there is something that we share in common with Israel on our values and our beliefs in democracy. And I think that that the rest of that Middle Eastern world, and especially those that are, you know, fortunately that Israel has been in, you know, a better place with like Jordan and Egypt, uh, the United Emirates, um, you know, Bahrain. So we know that, you know, even Bahrain and United Emirates uh, just in 2020 with some of the peace that was signed there, but, Obviously, Syria uh, to the north of Israel uh, is absolutely against Israel. Iran is against Israel. They have a lot of enemies over there. And so if they succeed in taking out Israel, you know that they're already aiming at us. And so I think that just out of if you're if somebody's not a Christian, they, there's an incentive to want to protect democracy. Um, but as Christians, uh, as one who does believe, uh, you know, that Jesus is coming again and believes in a literal millennial kingdom, um, I do think that it's important to remember that God 
did say he would bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse them. But I don't think of that verse in terms of falling under the new covenant per se. And that puts me in a different camp than maybe some who would be like ultra Zionists mm. uh, who would believe that. And I think that, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's, I mean, there's hardly any evangelical churches uh, in Jerusalem. I mean, it, it's, it's minimal. I mean, I can't even remember like one to four. I, I don't remember the exact number offhand, but yeah. I do know that as it relates to, you know, wanting the best for Israel, we should want the best for Israel. Like we shouldn't go out of our way to curse them. We should be trying to give the gospel to them. But how did Paul operate? You know, he first went to them and then he would go to the Gentiles. And so I think that that is, is an intent, right? We should want to keep taking the gospel to them, but they have not received the savior and their hearts have been hardened and their eyes have been blinded, but we're not going out of our way to curse Israel by all means. And especially in an incident like this, this people has been absolutely, I mean, brutally assaulted throughout its history. And I think that, I think that that is problematic and we need to stand against that. I mean, just sheer violence for the sake of violence. It's, it's, and that doesn't mean Israel has been perfect. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they've made some mistakes as well. I mean, and they right. put themselves at odds with God. And I think that we need to recognize that. I, sometimes I think people talk about Israel as if like they're just perfect. And I think that they're missing that. They're no, their their hearts are hardened and their eyes are blinded and they need the Lord. Yeah, and, and hopefully the presence of democracy leaves open the door for Christians to go and, and visit, uh, you know, Jerusalem, but also be able to, to to share Christ and for them to be able to, uh, you know, see the benefits of the Messiah come to fruition. So Absolutely. I think that leads that leads us to some interesting theological questions, and this one is kind of a little bit more philosophical in that sense. Uh, you know, what does it theologically imply, given that the President of the United States has called this act sheer evil? Well, I think that without a the, without God's existence, right, without uh, theism, how do you even call something evil, right? Like, with, I mean... Right. To Hamas, it's not evil. It's just right. one group's opinion next to another group's. And so what do we mean by having a standard? The standard, there's an objective standard that we believe exists outside of us that is rooted in God's good nature. And therefore, um, we recognize because we're created in God's image with the moral law written on our heart that this is an act of evil. Now, that's not to say that our hearts can't uh, become hardened or deceived or blind, as in the case with Hamas, uh, we can see that. And so we're living in a time where, you know, we call evil good and good evil. But the very fact that we're saying this is sheer evil is a recognition of an objective standard that exists outside of ourselves that we can say this is wrong. And it concerns me when you have some people that can't come out and say that, it makes me very concerned for uh, where their heart is. They've really left themselves open to a hard heart and or to be deceived. All hearts um, that are deceived or all hard hearts, uh, you know, certainly have deceived themselves. But I do think somebody could get deceived and not necessarily on the front end want to have a hard heart. And so that's just a way of distinguishing well, I think one of the most important questions, uh, you know, comes around the idea of end times and what this might mean. So do you think that we're seeing a, a sneak preview of the end times that are kind of coming together as depicted in Ezekiel 37 and 38? 
I think we should just keep our eyes open, Tim. Um, you know, we we should pay attention. No one knows the day or the hour, uh, but the signs of the time uh, we can learn about. And some would say that, you know, Rosh refers to Russia, to the north of Israel. Um, I don't know that for certain, but I think it's plausible. Uh, and then we also know that Iran, which is modern day Persia, uh, will be in alliance with that group from the north. So you could see how with Iran and with Russia and what's taking place right now, uh, there at the border, um, you could see how things could be folding uh, together to wrap up um, the end. But people would have been saying the same thing with uh, the Yom Kippur War in 1973 with Egypt and Syria. Uh, when they kind of uh, entered into war with Israel, it would have looked like, oh my goodness, let's keep our eyes open. And then it calmed down. So I think it's too early uh, to speak. But if you see Russia get involved here and, uh, you know, Syria jumps in, you know, and Hezbollah starts, you know, you know, really attacking on a hard front. I mean, then I'm really interested. I mean, I'm sitting forward. I'm going, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is just so hard. And and we talked uh, just a little bit about kind of maybe the U.S.'s posture towards Israel in this. But how as Christians do we need to to support Israel and, and even support maybe the Christians that are in Palestine or, or Palestinian people that are suffering or people that are having friends or descendants, uh, you know, kind of from that region? You know, we believe in and follow Jesus Christ. However, having friends and family suffering in Gaza is 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 kind of tricky. So, what's a warning that you might offer? Well, the good news is, is uh, I mean, our calling is to to love God, love people, celebrate the gospel, and I think in our hearts we shouldn't be pitting the Palestinians against um, you know the Jewish people there in Israel. We should we should care about them all. We should be praying for them all. Um, I I don't think um, the you know when it comes to Hamas. Uh, you can negotiate with this, unfortunately, because they're driven by a worldview that that they believe and they're so rooted in it. So, I mean, what you can be doing is praying for God to swiftly work his justice because uh, that kind of evil needs to be eradicated. Uh, but, you know, 20 percent of the people that live in Israel are Palestinian. And mm. so, um, you know, we need to be praying for them right now, like even on in the Gaza where the electricity has been shut down, they're not getting food support. A lot of these people are, are, are having to spread out and go find shelter, uh, but they are getting warning that, Hey, attacks coming. So they're getting the courtesy of a warning. Uh, you know, Israel's not wanting to surprise civilians yet. Hamas is so dark that they train their, their terrorists to basically stay put and to die martyrs death so that when the civilians do leave, then those that stayed and died a martyr's death, they can go and show footage and see, say, look world, the Israelites or the Jewish people are killing us uh, and they're killing, they're killing civilians. They're, they're just hmm. killing people. And so that it's, it's a very deceptive group and we have to not be thrown off by that. But the way we can support them both is through prayer, through, uh, you know, there's there's groups that we can send funds out to uh, that I would encourage people to 
you know, look into of where they can, you know, get resources uh, over to Israel to help in this time. Uh, but this is just heartbreaking all the way around. I, I don't, I, I kind of look at it with just people, Tim, instead of Israel verse. I, I just, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the terrorists, it, you know, we need to oust them. I see that. But man, a lot of these civilians, it's just so sad. And our heart goes out to, to all these people. Well, in, in addition to supporting those in the Middle East, uh, in Israel, and in this conflict right now, if you're listening and you're interested in supporting us, we would love for you to consider being uh, a financial partner. Your generosity uh, makes this show possible. We are reaching out to doubters and providing credible answers to their curious questions in hopes that we can curb their doubts and that they can find joy and hope in Jesus once again. So you can donate at our website, ChristianityStillMakesSense.com, and we are looking forward to partnering with you. And we want to thank you in advance for that. If you have any topic suggestions, please let us know in the comment section under this video on our YouTube channel. With that, we will meet you next time on Christianity Still Makes Sense.